0: You are listening to the Three Indie Podcast. As always, I am your host, Justin Lewis. Joining me, as he does every week, is Mister Ben Hogan. How are you doing, sir?
1: I'm doing all right, man. Doing uh, doing well, actually. How are you doing?
0: Good. A little tired. This late night game we had <laughs> against Boston.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's not as late as it were as ones a few weeks ago, or I guess last week.
0: What's up with an eight thirty start at home though? I don't know
1: that that boggles my mind on why they would do that here
0: but especially against the east coast team where their fan base is nine thirty, nine o'clock
1: yeah i mean they usually tip off 6 six thirty our time there so
0: and it's not like we were on national tv and had to be behind somebody <laughs> it don't make no sense no all right so that was,
1: was that a game that they sorry was that one of the games that they changed lately like they changed the start times of a few games
0: i have no idea so let's let's talk about it. What stood out to you in tonight's uh, victory, overtime victory uh, over the Boston Celtics to bring us to a twenty and twenty record?
1: Uh, I mean, the obvious is John Morant. He looked good. I mean, he looked he looked awesome. Uh, good's an understatement. Uh, we haven't seen that a lot lately in these past. Pretty much since the All Star break. I mean, we we got a glimpse of it before the All Star break, and then after that, it hadn't been much. Uh, He's been inconsistent and it didn't seem that he's been as confident uh, as he was tonight. He just seemed in his own element. He seemed like the best player on the floor. And, you know, we see him as a lot as like the most athletic or biggest highlight. But tonight he just looked like the best player on the floor, which was awesome to see. I know that Boston had a few players out, but still it was awesome to see.
0: Speaking of highlight, what what was that alley-oop that he did, man? That was nuts.
1: It looked like he was just like, he was horizontal. He was just, you know, flat in midair, basically. I don't know. That was incredible. With his left hand.
0: Yeah. So, for me. After
1: he missed a dunk, that was an easy one.
0: Yeah. He was trying to go crazy on the on a poster, but he shouldn't have. He could just put that one in easy. Yeah, Jaw was – I remember at one point in the game I heard them say Jaw had 24 and 7, and I was just like, hold up. He's got 24? It felt like a quiet 24, Um, and he ended with 29. I think it was because maybe he was efficient, and it wasn't like a bunch of threes. It was just him getting to the bucket and doing all kinds of witchcraft around the glass.
1: Yeah. I mean, he was – he was, what, 12 of 25? He did shoot – he was one of five from three. I mean – not the best, but still, I mean, you really needed him to shoot that much tonight. It felt like, you know, um, that's what he's going to do to get him to play like that. That's fine. I mean, he was uh, he was dishing out the ball, nine assists. It's not like he was just throwing up shots. He was doing what he could, getting to the bucket, like you said, and uh, it was just it was, it was a good job performance tonight.
0: Yeah, I'm still not okay with Valentino's only getting ten shots when it's Daniel Tice or Robert Williams guarding him, and he was shooting seventy percent. That that can't continue. Um, I'd say that twenty five shots and for John twenty two for Dylan is a little much. Um, But I mean, we won, so and that's the thing. Like the tendency for fans and the media is to let stuff go let it off the hook after a win here's something that i don't want to see coach jenkins get let off the hook for i just wish somebody in the media would ask him point blank why did you not play d'anthony milton to close the game when he was playing so well like does that not just blow your mind
1: uh, i was i was shocked i you know we've discussed this his End of the game rotations, late game rotations, fourth quarter rotations, whatever it is, it just you know he's had he's made bad rotations going into the fourth quarter as well as the end of them. I just don't know why. Yeah, Grayson had a nice big he had a big shot in overtime, cool, but still, like I don't think they'd been in overtime if D'Anthony was in there to close the game out. I don't think that would have mattered.
0: Or if you're um, or if your end of game shot is not John Morant shooting a pull up three,
1: <laughs> well. You should know better with that. The analytics should tell you something about that if that's what you're using. Uh, Yeah, I don't don't understand it. It's just one of those questions that he has to answer, and no one asks him. He doesn't have to.
0: So, for me, like, it's obvious you close with Jaw and the way that Dylan was playing, although he had five fouls, um, he did have seven rebounds, seven assists, and two steals. Um, You leave Dylan in there. Balanchunas was a rebounding monster. He had 19 of them. Uh, but if you were worried about defense, Clark had a, had a, you know, a Brandon Clark game. So he easily could have been in there. I think Justice Winslow uh, probably should have closed over Kyle. Uh, Winslow led us in box plus minus at a plus 11. Uh, he did some really good stuff out there. Um, I don't think you lose much between Winslow and Anderson beside the three-point shot. Um, Winslow hit the side of the freaking backboard on one of them. Um, but Desmond Bain, at one point in the second quarter, scored 10 straight points for the Grizzlies. Um, he clearly had it going, but then for some reason lost. Grayson Allen had 33 minutes. And I am a Grayson Allen fan, a believer. Uh, but tonight, he should not have had 33 minutes over Desmond Bain's 18 and De'Anthony Melton's 15. Um, that doesn't make – any sense at all uh i'd I, I want to see somebody ask i don't think they're going to because the memphis media i bet if ron Tillery was still here at, <laughs> taking questions he would ask
1: <laughs> you know he would he would do it just because no one else is
0: uh, we need just ron when back in-
1: <laughs> you should go on twitter with that that, that take <laughs>
0: yeah all right um, let's, let's move off of this unless you, you got anything else you want to throw in there about this game?
1: Uh, no, not really. It was good to get a win. I mean, you know, the Celtics are tanking it all because they're sitting some guys. So,
0: yeah. um, <laughs> losing culture over there in Boston.
1: Yeah. I mean, they need to, they need to straighten it up over there. Uh, and it was, it was good. You, you, when you saw that Tatum was out, you, you kind of thought you're like, the Grizzlies have to get this one. And it was nice to see them get this one. You say that about OKC a week ago. And you saw what that, that happened with that. The first game against the Warriors, you thought the same thing. You're like, we're going to get this one. You know, it would be nice to get the first game of back-to-back at home. Instead, you had to scratch and claw your way to get one of those two in the second night. And they went out and took care of business. Took overtime, but they needed this one.
0: Right. Well, um, Thursday is trade deadline, and uh, we've already had – uh, I think one word bomb, um, Kevin Gayle, uh, I think that's how you say his name, for the Clippers, the, the forward, uh, the stretch forward out of Florida State was traded to Sacramento Kings because you know how Vlade Divac loves his bigs. Um, essentially clearing away uh, a roster spot for the Clippers uh, that allows them to either sign somebody that's bought out or uh, trade uh, to fill one of those roster spots they now have. Um, so uh, stuff's coming. There's talks about Aaron Gordon going to the Boston Celtics. Um, the Kings offered Marvin Bagley to uh, the Detroit Pistons. But in regards to the Grizzlies, do you see anything more than Gorgie Dane getting sent out for something small or him being bought out happening in Memphis?
1: Uh, no. Uh, it's been, I don't know. It, it's, they say when it's been way too quiet, that means something's happening. But I just think that, nothing's happening right now i think that that's basically what's going to come down to is they're gonna gorgie is not going to be a member of the grizzlies after the trade deadline whether it's they've gotten rid of them or or like traded them or just let them go
0: right I, I agree um the only other thing that i can see happening is um attaching grayson allen to to gorgie um I, you know joe mullinac said it on twitter tonight you got to take the toy away um, because the toys get in the way of the better players being on the floor. And I don't think anybody can argue that, that Anthony Milton is far and away a better player than, than Grayson Allen. Um, it was just like JV Bickerstaff with Sheldon Mack for whatever reason, he just kept rolling him out there. Um, <laughs> and then it was um, Solomon Hill last year with Jenkins, you know, Hill had some good moments, but he just, there were times where people were just kind of confused. Well, why does he keep going out there? this year it's Grayson. Um, and like I said, I love Grayson He's, and he does good things. And um, he has probably the pure stroke um, on the team, but with Melton fixing the little hitch in his shot and shooting a better percentage than Grayson and he can defend on ball and do the same type of playmaking uh, and rebound probably better than Grayson Allen. I could see just for the sake of um, getting rid of a uh, rotation player. Cause you got too much and maybe getting a back end first round pick or a couple second round picks for, for Grayson and, and Jane, that's, that's probably the most that's going to happen for Memphis uh, by Thursday.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're pretty focused on doing what they can with what they have now, and maybe adding some assets down the line if, if they
0: can. Yeah. I don't expect anything too exciting out of Memphis Thursday, but let's get to something that is going to be exciting. Um, the bulk of our, our episode tonight is uh, I came up with this idea for Grizzly Bread Blues to come up with a keeper list of guys that you'd want to build the future with um, around Ja and Jaren. So obviously, Ja and Jaren is not going to be on these lists. Um, and the best part of this is that Ben has no idea what my list can, it looks like and I have no idea what Ben's list look like. Um, we obviously have an idea of where Dylan Brooks may be on my list. Um, (laughs) but it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I'm actually going to fill Ben's list in (laughs) as we go, because I don't know. I know his top two. He knows my top two, but from there, um, we, we really don't know. So for some, for some context, Ben, um, outside of one crazy person, Clark and Milton has been in everybody's top two. Um, so. Where we differ, I have Melton one and Clark two. You have Clark one and Melton two. So I'm going to let you go first and explain why you have them in that order.
1: Uh, I just think uh, Clark brings you more versatility to your lineups. I think you can roll them out there as a possibly even a three, four, or five at times, just depending on what type of lineup you want to run with. Uh, we've seen them play uh, some good minutes recently in the uh, in the five spot. And also, it's, you know, I think he plays well next to Jaron. I know he'd come off the bench at times, but I just think he brings your, uh, a lot of versatility to your lineup. He's athletic. He can score. Um, I think he just brings so many different things to the game, to your lineup, that I think that he's probably the good third wheel uh, to John Jaron.
0: And those are all fair. Um, I think Clark's versatility between three to five is is very true. Um, he does play well next to to Jaron, and and a lot of people believe that the future at the four and five is those two, or Clark is your super six man uh, going forward. So here here's what I got from my reasoning: the NBA is a guard oriented league. And the Grizzlies for years have struggled uh, to have just consistent wing play um, outside of a point guard. Um, and Melton is starting to prove that he may be that player. Um, he has unreal wingspan for a guy his size. Uh, his, As I mentioned earlier, he's fixed the hitch in his shot. Um, so he's, he's shooting it like 43% from deep right now. He's an excellent on-ball defender. Um, his his playmaking on ball can get better. But if you still got Jaw and Tyus and, and Winslow on the roster, Melton's responsibilities on ball actually go down. And uh, here's a kicker to why I put Melton over Clark. A healthy Justice Winslow makes Clark a little bit more expendable because in Miami, Winslow played some small ball five as well um, Winslow can defend and be interchangeable, just like Clark can. Um, he's not as explosive; uh, he doesn't do the same things that Clark does. But if we're talking about the switchability on defense, Winslow can bring that same thing. Um, but he also brings the playmaking and uh, a little bit better perimeter defense than than Clark does. So, with Winslow being healthy, um, I think that bumps Clark down just below Melton for me. Um, so that that is who I have. Third on my list is Justice Winslow. Um, assuming that he stays healthy from here on out, I think he is the next piece behind those two that you'd want to use to build around John Jaron because of how versatile he is. Um, and his, his on-ball defense is so valuable. Um, and they they absolutely need that. Uh, they're going to need that stopper because I'm getting rid of the current stopper uh, <laughs> if, if I had the chance. So, <laughs> um Does
1: this affect your rankings? Is that is that how this is going? It's like Dylan Brooks last. So let me just go ahead and just—he's
0: not last. He's not last. I <laughs> I'm, to be honest, I'm looking at the list right now. Somebody actually has him as low as I do. So I'm not alone um in in my thinking. And it doesn't seem like anybody has him in their top in their top three. So um, yeah. maybe there's I, some I some GBB sobriety going on um so who you have number three i have desmond bain
1: uh he's a shooter and the league is full of shooters and that's what you need to do to win in this league now and just like you know you mentioned for things that the grizzlies have had trouble with stability on the wing they also don't really have they haven't had a reliable three-point shooter i mean we have guys that can catch on fire and you know they'll make a bunch in a game but we haven't had a consistent three-point threat and I just have a feeling like if you trade away Desmond Bain, he's going to turn into – I mean, he's already – he already leads the rookies in three-point percentage. You trade him away, he's going to be a top guy in the league from three-point. You're going to be like, we had him the whole time. Like, why did we get rid of him? And I think that's why. And he's and he, and he looks like he's improving on his game too. And he looks really comfortable coming off the bench. Maybe he just isn't a starter, which is okay. He's
0: if a he rookie, can come off so yeah. Bench,
1: well, yeah. And uh, – If he can come off the bench and get you like 10 in a row like you did today, you know, just quick points off the bench, that's what you want in a bench guy. You want a guy that can score a lot of points real quick while the starters are getting a quick, you know, quick rest. That's what you want in a guy, and that's what the Grizzlies have.
0: Right, and so for a lot of those same reasons, I have Bain as my next guy, number four. Um, I love his shooting stroke. He showed tonight. His ability to score off the ball and like he caught you know he hit like three float floaters it's just contagious on the grizzlies team um he threw some some passes that were just like okay i I didn't know you could do that um the only thing that worries me with him defensively is his wingspan um he's built a little awkwardly uh to me it just i just Feel like I'm watching like a fullback out there or a linebacker.
1: I so say he's got he's got broad shoulders, you know. Yeah. Yeah,
0: um, and so I, I'm not sure what his ceiling is defensively. Um, so that's why I have him one spot um, behind Justice Winslow because for me as a basketball coach myself, I value defense over offense. Um, if you can create turnovers and get stops, you can score on the break and do all that. Um, but Bane's shooting ability is why I have him at four. So. Uh, Who do you have following Bane?
1: I got Justice. I mean, I I just think for a lot of the reasons you said, and just the thought of Ja, Aaron and Justice playing together healthy, all three, is very, very intriguing. And I just think that's the type of core that also that, you know, that you definitely can build around. And um, Justice, like you said, does give you versatility. And that's really what you need in this league. If you want to go small, you can go small. If you want to go big, you can go big. And also, it makes Tyus a little bit more expendable, but I'll talk about him later in the list because Justice can play the point guard when need to, and I'm not going to say you need to trot Ja out there for 41 minutes every night or you know close to 40, but Ja's going to be a superstar. Like He's going to be considered a superstar in this league, and that's the type of guy you want on the floor as much as possible. So that, that's why I like Justice at uh, – that's why I'm at four. All
0: right. Who do you have going after him? Uh, Tillman. He's really? a young guy.
1: Yeah. I, I kind of did this list based on – because it's, like, it's a future slash keeper slash trade whatever list, and I took this as one of those. If I heard the Grizzlies traded him tomorrow, I would be like, what are they doing? And I kind of went from there. Too. there's a few other guys in here in their listing. I took a few other things into consideration, but I just think it'd be you, – you see the potential with Tillman, and I think it'd be too early to give up on it. Plus, you know, him and – I asked if J- him and Jaron can play together in the NBA. We've seen them play together in college. They're great friends. You don't want to upset Jaron either. You want to keep his buddy there until he signed – you know, until he – Hopefully, you know, uh, sticks around for the future and all that stuff. So, you got to do what you got to do. And uh, that's why I have Tillman at five.
0: Tillman at five. Let me go ahead and fill that in. I believe you may be the highest on Mr. Xavier Tillman. Uh, For me, at five, I've got Jonas Valanciunas and – you know, both of us are, are big fans of, of his and what he does. The walking double-double currently has the longest streak in the NBA in double-digit rebounds. Um, I think he made that 11 games, or tonight might have made it 10 games uh, straight for him in double-digit rebounds with 19. Um, I think when you talk about building this team around Ja and Jaron, okay, and then you've got Clark as, your, um, as my second guy to build around, Where's the rebounding coming from? Um, and I know, you know, we had a long discussion on GBB with, with Molinax saying that, you know, Valanciunas has to go because he's, you know, he can't defend. And to, to an extent, no, laterally, Jonas Valanciunas is not built to defend. Uh, he does a decent job of protecting the paint. Um, but his rebounding is so invaluable when, when it's a struggle of Jaren's um, Clark, um, is a, is a above average rebounder, I think for his size and his position. Um, but Jaron for his size, just is yet just reminiscent of Mark all, he's like, come on, man, you're seven foot. You should be more rebounds in this. And people want to say, well, well, he plays on the perimeter a lot on offense. Well, okay. So he doesn't get one to two offensive rebounds a game. So what, but he should be snagging seven, eight, nine defensive rebounds a game at seven feet tall. Um, so if I'm building a team around these guys, I think bringing back Valanciunas as a veteran presence, number one, but number two, his ability to rebound, um, and just the, the tenacity that he plays with, I think is invaluable, uh, for this team.
1: All right. Um, I got Dylan Brooks next. Dang, man. <laughs> I just think every team has to have a guy like him on their team. This has nothing to do with the spot on the team right now. I do think he'd probably be better off the bench, but games like tonight, I mean, he, he can come out there and he can play defense on the other team's best guy. He can frustrate them. He's got the dog in him. He's, like I said, I think every team needs to have a guy like Dylan Brooks, and that's why I have him ranked right there at number six.
0: So you don't think Winslow can be that guy?
1: I think he can, but I haven't seen him get as, I don't know, into other guys as Dylan has. Dylan has a tendency to just frustrate the other team. Sometimes he shoots too many shots.
0: Dylan has, um, like, some Lance Stevenson piss you off in him.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: All right so Patrick got,
1: Beverly type
0: uh yeah there's that too <laughs> So you've got Brooks following Tillman I've got Kyle Anderson following JV uh at at 6 and I you know which is nuts because last year I was all pro trade Kyle get rid of him he doesn't belong on this team blah 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 um, but if if we can get the the 15 5 5 2 2 Kyle, where he's getting 15 points, five rebounds, five assists, two blocks, and two steals. Man, stuff's the stat sheet, man. you you just got to have him around. Like he just he gets stuff done. Now, obviously, his ideal role is as a four. Um, he's not a three uh, in this NBA, this today's age. Um, and so, when I'm looking at this, we're kind of clogged already at the big man spot. We've got Jaron, I've got Clark. I've got Valanchunas. Uh, And then there's Winslow. But Winslow can play the three. So, you know, it just depends on how you want to – if you want to run balanced units off the bench behind Jaron to dominate on um, second units or, you know, that takes away, you know, him compensating for Jaron's weakness. I I don't know what you do with him, but I think there's a spot for Kyle uh, building around this team also because he is the OG, as uh, Chris Vernon put it. He's the old guy on the team. Um, I just think – He's somebody that would be valuable to keep around um, following Kyle. For me, I have Tyus Jones um, simply because um, he's the best backup point the Bruce have ever had. And I don't yep. see reason just to get rid of him. Um, and he's somebody that allows jaw to play off ball. If we need him to, he's some insurance that if jaw, you know, gets crazy and tries to murder somebody on a poster again mm-hmm. and, and lands wrong, we've got a, serviceable n b a point guard um that can slide right in and take care of the offense not turn the ball over um and and do what needs to be done every team needs a a good backup point guard and we had that in tyus
1: after uh dylan i had uh jonas i had jonas at seven i mean i just i think he's good i i like joe i i like jonas i think he He's underrated, and it seems like sometimes, you know, when the Grizzlies struggle, it's like, hey, let's trade JV. He's not doing anything. He's a reliability on defense. He's this and that, you know, just get rid of him. They don't need him. I, I think that's just very short-sighted, as he gives you so much on the offensive end. Uh, and he, he, he's decent enough. I mean, he can match up with the big man down low, most of them. Sometimes he struggles. I mean, we've seen that. He struggled with the Lakers. But I, I think he's definitely has a place on the team and in their future. And I'd like to keep him around. And then I have Tyus at eight as well. I think that's where you had Tyus, right? Yeah, yeah. So I got Tyus at eight for same reasons. You know, he's a backup point guard. He's the best one the Grizzlies have ever had, and uh, it's hard to find a good backup point guard in the league, as evidenced by the Grizzlies' franchise long struggle to find a decent one.
0: No, actually, the, uh, I had I got ties, at, I got Tyus at seven. Um, okay,
1: so I skipped out. I, I had Dylan at six, Jonas at seven, and then Tyus at eight.
0: Sorry yeah, about that. Yeah. So, ahead. so Tyus for you at eight, um, that seven, eight range um, seems to be everybody's in kind of consensus there for, for Tyus. JV's all over the board, man. Valanchunas ranges from two uh, to 12 on our list.
1: Two uh, and tw- – Wow that that is that's a ridiculous range
0: um which is nuts so luckily i'm doing averages when it comes to the posts that we're going to put out um so for me yeah we're uh yeah (laughs) uh and for a while i was on the high end um until we had i just had one submitted um and that one was different so following tyus so for me at the a spot i've got grayson allen um just his playmaking, his ability to score the basket, his efficiency. Um, you know, I'd love to say that he doesn't hurt you on defense, and then he let Jeff Teague just blow by him multiple <laughs> times tonight. So that kind of yeah. just defeats my case. Um, yeah, I think Grayson is is a, a guy that just makes winning plays. Um, he's a winner. And he has been at every level. Um, he's You know where you're going to get from him. Uh, the only thing is, is that – if he's if he's off, don't know if you can leave him in the game. I mean, he hustles. I mean, he plays hard every game. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, it's just for somebody at his size, um, if he's not knocking down shots, um, I think his value goes down a little bit. But we're at that point now in our keepers that, you know, there's only really one left on my list that you'd argue to put ahead of him. Um, but, yeah, number nine for you. Grayson, you got Grayson right there, yeah, I mean i
1: but by, by this point, it's just kind of like you know i I can explain a little bit, but he's kind of toward towards the bottom, and it's a lot of has to do with who he's taking minutes away from mm-hmm. more or less. He's yeah. good. He can if he gets hot, you know he he can go for twenty something points. If he's cold, he can go three of thirteen. It just depends on which one you're getting. and sometimes you're not getting much on the defensive end either so inconsistency and then who he's taking minutes away from pretty much why he's that low
0: yeah there's a there's a lot of uh Grayson at that eight to ten range um for sure so not crazy there all right so my number nine is Dylan Brooks (laughs) okay this list goes to 15 so he is (laughs) he's not at the bottom um but, for me, going around this team and, and what I have available to me um, I, I prefer the the efficient scoring of deanthony Milton and Desmond Bain over Dylan on the wing, and I'll take and I'll trade off his, his defense for a combination of of Milton and Winslow um and even Kyle I, I just think that unless he gets moved to a to a bench role which i don't know that this, this coaching staff has the balls to do um his value to this team is not what it what it could be um, as a starter um, playing 35 minutes i mean even tonight they like, were impressed with him but he still shot below 50 percent his jumper and i've said this a thousand times and people want to say that I don't know what I'm talking about, but I know a thing or two, uh, You know, and, I, and I've coached for a few years now. Um, his form and his release is just hard to repeat. And until he's able to fix his release, he's not going to be a consistent shooter, period. And like tonight, the last three that he took, one of the things that we teach our shooters is to stay in your shot. Don't walk out of it. Shoot the shot, hold your release, and stand there until it goes through. And because if you if you're trying to run out, like you have to be elite, like Steph Curry, elite to be able to shoot the ball and then turn around and run off before it ever goes in. He's not elite. That okay? he needs to to do the right things on the court, do the right things when shooting, uh, as far as it comes to form to to be more consistent and until he is a consistent shooter. Um, he will always be low on my list. Um, Parker had an article that came out today. That was a really good read um, talking about uh, Dylan Brooks and his ascent to, you know, all defensive status. And I think that is absolutely hysterical that people believe <laughs> he is an all NBA defender. Um, Cause uh, yes. So what he gets matched up with the hardest guys. He's still averaging 4.2 fouls per game, and he wants to talk about he's improved his fouls. Okay, he dropped that's down. Ing- that's half aggressiveness,
1: a foul. Justin. That's aggressiveness.
0: He went from 4.7 <laughs> fouls last year to 4.2. If you want to call that an improvement, then call that an improvement. Whatever. But he does. The hey, dumb. you're a
1: math teacher. If you round up, it's five. If you round down, it's four. He's improved by one.
0: He's improved by half. And he does just – he gets to dumb fouls. Like tonight, just a random swat at Jalen Brown's arm when he flies by. I'm like, there's no point. And what if we were in the penalty? He is – he does that all the time. The other team's in the bonus and he just does some dumb foul 75 feet from the basket. So, whole pump the brakes on the all-defense stuff because that ain't it but I do encourage you to go check out the article that Parker wrote because it actually was a really good read. Um, very well done. Um, he he has a lot of good stuff in there on, on Dylan. Um, so I've got Dylan at nine rounding out. My top 10 is Xavier Tillman. Um, his, I don't like his mentality of shooting threes as much as he did, um, but he does rebound. Well, he defends well. Um, he's got a decent little mid range game. I just think um, for me, Where's his growth going to come? Like, how much more can Tillman be than what he already is? So his low ceiling, I think, is why I have him so low on my list.
1: That's understandable. I mean, I, I get that. I just i I still see some potential. We had him play with Jaron. Um, of course, I had him at five. At ten, at ten, I have Kyle And and I have him this low base. Solely on his trade value. It's never going to be higher than right now. That's the only reason. I like him with the Grizzlies. I think he brings a lot to the table, but I do think that it's a small, small window to get anything for Kyle if you are going to trade him. Don't wait till the end of the season to trade him. I think you won't get as much. Uh, I just think that it'd be smart for the Grizzlies to kind of shop Kyle around, see what they can get. Because I don't necessarily think that they think he's part of their future uh long term future. I think once his contract's up, he's probably going to be gone or he may find himself another spot, you know, with the with the team that he can finish his career off with. I don't know. He may want to stay in Memphis. I don't know, but I just think that if the Grizzlies want to get anything for Kyle Anderson, the window is small and they would have to do it soon.
0: So do you do you think at all there's a possibility that he's traded at the at the deadline?
1: I don't think there's that much of a possibility, no. Um, I don't want him to be tra- – I, I I like watching him play, but I just think that if the Grizzlies are going to get anything for him right now, he's his trade value is never going to be higher. I,
0: I, and I agree with that. Um, it's it's kind of like, you know, um, Tyreek's year in Memphis, the way that he was playing. <laughs> I, I would argue that that was probably the most valuable he ever was. Um, and we botched that whole situation. Um, yep, but I, I think Kyle's in a similar boat. Um, this is the most valuable that he's ever been in his career and ever will be, I think. Um, not to say that he can't improve, um, but he is, he's having a career year. Um, and there are teams that would love his playmaking his defense and his rebounding. Um, and so if there's a, if there's a contender that's real serious on a, a very affordable contract, um, I, I would say the Grizzlies would listen to that. I don't think they'd be like, no, he's, He's got to stay. He's part of our future at all. Who you got after Kyle?
1: I got Tilly. Tilly.
0: So now we're in the we're in the bottom five. <laughs> and I this, mean, is, the, this is just personal preference at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you, want, do you want me to just roll through them real quick?
0: Yeah, roll through your bottom five.
1: Okay, I got Tilly, Contrar, McDermott, Porter, and then I got Gorgie last just because I kind of feel like he's already got one foot out the door. Even if he's not walking out the door, the Grizzlies are shoving him, and he's got one foot out.
0: Yeah, so my, my round out, I still have Gorgie at the top of that bottom five just because he is valuable. Um, I, you know, I'd love to see him back on a vet men um, to be that third big in case of a, of an injury or extreme foul trouble or something uh, because he can shoot it, uh, he can rebound, he can defend. Uh, he's He is a valuable player. But, obviously, him being last on the list makes total sense, too. Um, matter of fact, you're the only person so far that has him on the very bottom. Um, it's
1: not over – yeah, I, I would like him to stay on the team, but he's not playing at all. Right, yeah. He's just out of the rotation unless Jonas gets injured. And right. then he'll pop up for 28 minutes or something like
0: that. <laughs> and he'll have a 2013 game.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Um. I, then I got Tilly – Conchar, McDermott, uh, and Porter. Um so at that point, you know, till Tilly's the, the stretch big that um uh, we haven't got a chance to really see. Uh Conchar is um he he is what he is. Like he's, he's fine into the bench player, <laughs> you know, right. whatever. McDermott, um they swung a miss. Um, he to me they swung and missed on him. Or they swung and missed on Guterich He, I just don't think. I don't think he has it. I don't think he's going to make it. Um, and I and I I know Brandon Abraham's going to hear this and and come from my head. Um, but I think the Grizzlies will move on from him after his two ways up this year, uh, and and look to fill that spot with somebody else next year. Um, and then Porter, again, we haven't seen him. He can't stay healthy um so
1: yeah i'd rather him be somebody else's project than the grizzlies just kind of
0: move on i mean yeah especially when you've got so when you're looking at porter and you've got tilly tillman and clark where's he going to play ever right but i'm looking at a list that has porter number seven so
1: wow i guess they know something we don't
0: well (laughs) They also have uh, Winslow twelfth and uh, Valentina's fourteenth.
1: <laughs> okay, so sounds like you got a lot of stuff uh, to figure out there.
0: Good thing I'm a math teacher, and I can work out averages pretty quick.
1: Yeah, pull up the calculator.
0: Yeah. All right. <laughs> so uh, speaking of numbers and math, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up with some some bet to bear for this upcoming week.
1: All right, Grizzlies have four road games this week. They have OKC on Wednesday looking to get a little revenge on that. Then they got Utah back-to-back Friday and Saturday night. And then a week uh, from this past game against Boston, they got at Houston, who got their first win in, what, 21 games? Yep. They lost their previous 20.
0: Yep.
1: So congratulations to the Houston Rockets, finally getting back in the win column. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's been a rough go for them. Uh, OKC, they're 19-24 overall, 8-11-1 against the spread at home, and they're 20-22-1 on the over-under. The one thing that I did notice is they've only been favored twice all season. When I was looking at OKC, they're 1-0-1 as the favorite this season.
0: So when when they're the favorite, bet on them.
1: Yeah, they're undefeated. but. That's just crazy and they have 19 wins That is uh, Utah they are 31 and 11. they' are 14, three and one against the spread at home 20 21 and t- 20, 21 and one on the over under but uh, the good news is they are two and six against the spread in their last eight games. Take that for what you will. I'm gonna look at the 14, three and one against the spread at home probably. And I don't know if I'll be betting the bear Friday and Saturday night
0: in Utah. I, I don't know if I want to bet against OKC. No, I I don't know. I, I'll see what the line is. I mean, if Pikachu lights up again, I'm gonna be pissed.
1: <laughs> He's just he'll just love playing the Grizzlies because I don't. He ain't done much since then, has he?
0: No, Christopher Running will not live it down with with Kevin O'Connor if if Poku <laughs> goes off again.
1: And then and then Monday against Houston, they are 12 and 30. Uh 4 and 17 against the spread at home. Uh 16 25 and 1 over under. I would give you the uh the streaks they were on before tonight, but I mean, they they broke them all since they won. But still, as long as the the spread's under like 8, I think I'm comfortable with the Grizzlies.
0: Yeah, but we're we're back into that territory of like, we should have beat the Warriors and the Oklahoma City Thunder last time. Like, I don't know what to do with this team anymore. Like, That is tough.
1: That is the, that is the tough part about it because it feels like when you're comfortable – I mean, I I put a decent coin on the uh, Oklahoma City game because I just felt comfortable with it after the way they've been playing. And then it was a maybe team. it does and I haven't touched it since.
0: Well, yeah, because you wouldn't touch against the Heat. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: That it, it's crazy, it, it's maddening. that it. you're you're sitting there and you think it's one thing and then it's the next, and I still can't figure this team out.
0: So, what it sounds like is just do the opposite of what you think you should do, and you might win. Yeah.
1: So, I'm betting OKC okay, Grizzlies against Utah twice, and then Houston. Is <laughs> I that... don't think
0: that's gonna pay off very well. <laughs> You may go 0-4 on that one.
1: Yeah. But the Grizzlies, you think two and two legit? I mean, I know it's four road games. Would you be happy with a two and two road trip?
0: I'd be happy with a two and two road road trip because you're expecting to win um OKC in Houston and and probably get swept in Utah. But well, I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. They're gonna beat OKC, <laughs> they're gonna split Utah, and they're gonna lose to Houston.
1: And then we'll be back here this time next week talking about what the Grizzlies did to lose one of these games. Pro- <laughs> they'll probably get the second one in Utah because, you know, that's a game before Houston. So, you're like, oh, yeah, they look great against Utah.
0: Yep. And comes and Houston, Utah to rest. Houston. Utah will rest somebody on that second night, like Mike Conley will rest or somebody like that. Um, and then we'll be, like, all excited and pumped because so we just beat the best team in the NBA and then lay a fat egg against Houston. <laughs> But here's the thing too though, we don't know what Houston's gonna look like come Sunday because yeah. trade deadlines on Thursday. I, I don't see this Houston roster looking the same.
1: And OKC I don't know what they may be doing stuff. I don't know if they will, but who knows?
0: I think they Horford.
1: Yeah. I mean, if they're doing something Wednesday, that's the day before the trade deadline, they could sit some extra guys out.
0: Yeah. That's I mean, true. I guess it
1: won't matter. Their whole G League team beat the Grizzlies. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! What is it? The the blue?
0: Yeah, the, yeah. I don't even know where they're from. They're just are they the OKC Blue? I think so. Oh. it's yeah. You got anything else?
1: That's it. Let's hopefully we're talking about a win this time next week because that'll that'll be bad.
0: Yeah, it's not it's not fun hopping on here after a loss.
1: No, especially if it's to a 12 and 30 Houston team that just snapped a 20 game losing streak.
0: What time's that tip off? Does it say on there?
1: Um, it'd take me a second to pull it up.
0: Please be 7 o'clock.
1: Hold on one second. Sorry. I had it up initially, but uh, I had everything written down in here, except for the game time, obviously. Uh, it's 7 o'clock. Okay. They okay. got. Uh, Thunder and Rockets are seven o'clock tips, Jazz both eight o'clock, but it's a Friday and Saturday night. So I'm ben, probably not doing anything.
0: You haven't learned yet that with a kid, it doesn't matter what night of the week is, you're, you're gonna be tired. Yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. Well, I'm probably not doing it. I'm not going out.
0: Well, <laughs> we ain't going nowhere.
1: <laughs> Got a kid and it's a pandemic, guys. Yeah. Options are limited.
0: All right, man. Um... It's been fun uh y'all look for that um the keeper ranking article from grizzly red blues will be out on wednesday kind of a trade deadline primer uh, for you guys and i'm sure uh the captain joe Molinax will have you a trade deadline primer as well uh, to get ready for the lots of no activity from from memphis in their front office um that we're expecting um no bill on bill this year i'm afraid.
1: Hey, but we'll, we'll promise full coverage of the trade deadline on Grizzly Bear Blues.
0: Yes, we will do that. If anything happens, we've got your back. All right. For Ben, I'm Justin. You can find this podcast on Twitter at 3NDpod. You can find him at Not The Golfer. You can find me at J underscore Timberfake underscore. And make sure you follow Grizzly Bear Blues at SBN Grizzlies and check out our other podcasts on the network, the Starting Five, the Core Four, and GBB Live. Until next time.